welcome to the Cross Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. Today, I have another very special guest with me once again. I like to call this gentleman a friend, a mentor. We go way back to ESPN Upstate at Intercom Radio in Greenville, South Carolina. He is the host of Double Dribble here in Fox Sports in Spartanburg, Monday nights from 6 to 8. Right now, I have Mr. Ken Blankenship, and also known as KB. How you doing? I'm doing well, Los. Thanks for having me. Always, man. It's always good to... uh, Stay connected with you. You know, I see you sometimes when you come in, uh, come in when I'm while I'm working or whatever. I make sure I stop talk to you, but it's always good to you know stay connected. Like I said, we we met. This was probably about six seven years ago mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm, yeah, ESPN mm-hmm. State Intercom Radio in Greenville, and I was actually just a producer back then. So I remember just running the board, watching you. Uh, you were on the show with uh, G Mac and, and Lonzo. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I will always get a chance to just sit in. And you always embrace me. You would make conversations with me during uh, commercial breaks, ask me how old I was or where I was from and everything like mm-hmm. that. But you always embrace me, and I always appreciate it. So thank you for joining me again on my platform, Across the Line Podcast. But Absolutely. So, Glad so for, to do it. And man, it's good. And I know you're a big sports guy. Definitely like to talk about hoops. So we, we're going to talk about Absolutely. a lot of stuff that's going yep. on in, in the NBA. But That's right. Just just starting out though, for people just uh rewinding, this may be their first time uh seeing you, uh seeing you on air. They might have heard you on radio but this time um before. But uh just talk a little bit about your backstory. Um are you born and raised in this area? Um, actually born and raised in a small town uh in South Carolina called Lake City. Mm-hmm. It's about twenty three miles from Florence and about 60 miles from Myrtle Beach, uh, but moved here to Spartanburg in the third grade, January of, I guess I'll date myself if I say it, but I don't care. <laughs> Jan- you know, I'm the old man, so I'll get that out right out front. But January of 1969, moved here and have been here ever since. Moved away a couple of times. Uh, moved to Atlanta in 87 for a couple of years and then to Charlotte, uh, in 89 for a couple more years and then came back here I think it was 91 and uh so and I've basically been back ever since mm-hmm. and uh and absolutely love Spartanburg um I think people who either grew up here or have been here long enough realize the value of this place it's, it, sometimes it's hard to put into words but um, it, even if you calculate it, even if you throw everything in the mix, I think that's when Spartanburg comes up big. I, you know, Greenville is 30 minutes away, and, and uh, I've often called Greenville the jewel of the unknown jewel of this country because it's, it's really, really smooth downtown. It's great, but there's something about Spartanburg. You know, Spartanburg's had a tremendous amount of growth lately, too, mm-hmm. kind of as Greenville's smaller brother or whatever. And I just saw him um, getting a, yeah. uh, the, uh, a baseball, minor league yeah, baseball team. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Spartanburg's getting ready to explode. Yep. It has exploded in the last 10 to 15 years, but it's getting ready to explode exponentially. And uh, all kind of stuff coming to town. You wouldn't believe it. And, and the ballpark is, is one of the big things. That, that will add. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That will be uh, – that, that, you know, when you do things like that these days, you're not going to build just a park. You, they don't do that anymore. Right. So there will be there will, and because people realize what an opportunity those kind of things bring, mm-hmm. and they feed off of each other. So, you know, take for instance the Atlanta Braves with Truist Park, which has only been open a couple of years, right, two or three mm-hmm. years at the most, 
And, um, I mean, you know, there's, I haven't been down there, but I know the way they do it in metro areas now. And, and it's like I've said to many of my friends and whoever will listen, uh, Spartanburg is not small anymore. You are in a metro area. Go outside of your own door. You can't even – you used to, as recently as seven, eight, nine years ago – and I think you're originally from Union, but you have the Jones, yeah, Jonesville, yeah. yeah, and it's right it's outside right, of right Spartanburg. Outside. Exactly. So you know that there was a time, even in your life, you're considerably younger than I am, Lowe's, you know, <laughs> but uh, that you could, you know, you could go down a lot of streets and not see a whole bunch of traffic depending on the time of day. You can't do that anymore. It's crazy now. You yeah. have to make a conscious effort to get out in the country now to not be around traffic. And, you know, that's good and bad. Take that for what it's worth. Right. But anyway, no, I I, uh, I moved here to the upstate, moved back to the upstate in 91 and have pretty much been here ever since. And uh, that's kind of my story as far as where I've lived. So I, I know you, you're really big on sports. So – Growing up and going through school, uh, did you play any sports? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did, did I did I not play any <laughs> sports? You know, no. I uh, I grew up playing the big three: baseball, basketball, and football. Right. And uh, you know, I had I had a good bit of success, relatively speaking, in all of those sports. I uh, I'll take baseball for instance. Um, nothing. You know, of note, uh, the reason I'm starting with baseball is because I quit it earlier than the other sports. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't quit basketball yet, believe it or not. I'm <laughs> 900 years old, but no, I really have. But no, baseball, I uh, I got tired. I, I played up until the eighth grade, but I got tired of getting hit by the ball. I don't I don't know if I got hit more than other kids, but mm-hmm. I got hit a lot. And I was just tired of getting hit by a hard baseball, so I gave it up. And then going into my senior year at Spartan High, I, I had played basketball up until my senior year, and I also had played football and stopped that after the 10th grade year because the coaches wanted me to get in the weight room. I was a wide receiver at the time, and I, I didn't want to because my thought was it'll mess my basketball game up because when I grew up, that was the prevailing thought that if you got all bulky and everything, you'd lose your touch and all that. But little did we know that that could have benefited your game big time, but you just have to put in as much skill time as you do weight room time. You mm-hmm. balance it out. You get your touch back. And uh, But anyway, no, I played, I played uh, all three of them growing up. And as I look back on it and as I've grown, you know, and, and aged over the years, Carlos, I, um, you know, I – I really regret that I didn't grow up in a more of a metro area because when I was growing up in small town Lake City and then a little bit larger Spartanburg, which wasn't didn't really explode until I became an adult, you know, I wish I would have grown up like in Atlanta because they had a lot more soccer at the time. And mm-hmm. I just think I missed the boat on that because I think if – if I would have and, – and look, I looked back at one of my annuals two, three years ago and found out that we did have soccer at Spartan High. I didn't even know it mm. when I was going to school there or, or many, you know, several decades after it. And uh, But anyway, no, I played all of them uh, and uh, actually got cut my senior year from Spartanburg High School uh, basketball mm. team. And, uh, and so um, I was going – into my into you know getting ready to graduate my senior year 
And I was an athlete on the east side of Spartanburg without a letter jacket, without a Spartanburg High School letter jacket. And that just, that couldn't be. That right. couldn't happen. So I had to solve that problem. And so I decided it was, it was either going to be track or baseball. Well, I was very quick, but I wasn't, like, fast enough. They didn't have a 60. I might could have excelled in that. But the shortest race they had was 100, and I wasn't fast enough after 40 or 50 yards. So that was out, and I didn't see myself running any other thing. I couldn't stand running distances, right. you know. And, That's and a lot of running. Don't, yeah, don't know yeah. that I'd been any good at it anyway. But I just, you know, just wasn't quite, to be quite honest, quite tall enough to be a good track star. I know there's some shorter guys who can really run, but after that first 100, 100 yards or 100 meters or whatever, you know, you kind of lose out to the larger guys. And so I decided to go out for baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, this was four years after I'd given it up. Now the ball's coming about 30 miles an hour faster. It's breaking about another foot and a half when, when the breaking pitches are thrown than it was when I was in the eighth grade, right? And um, so I couldn't really hit a baseball. I didn't have any great desire. I just wanted a letter jacket. But there was a rule in high school baseball, and it still may exist, but back then, whether it does or not now, I don't know. But back then, if a pitcher or a catcher got on base, you could pinch run for them every single time. And my coach knew, and I told him before the season, before I went out for the team, I said, look, I'm, I want a letter jacket. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he knew, you know, he knew me as an athlete, you know, because all the coaches, they, you know, they, they coach different sports most well, of the they, time. T- they talk, though. Yeah, 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 and they talk amongst mm-hmm. themselves. And, um, and, and so he, he, he was fine with it. I was the fastest kid on the team, I know, because – uh, the very first, I think it was the very first day, we all, you know, lined up and ran like 60s, you know, sprints. And, you know, I won, I mean, not handily, but I, I was, because we had some kids that could run. But anyway, mm-hmm. so he utilized that rule every time a pitcher or a catcher would get on, and I would go and pinch run for him. And I started one game, and ironically, it was at Union, and I actually got an at-bat, and I put – Bat on ball, fly out really? the right field. Yeah, but, you know, at rest of the time I swing and miss. But <laughs> I put bat on ball. But I, I started one game. But I, he, my coach, Coach Norris, um, utilized the uh, that rule to get me a lot of – and he also would put me in center field late for our very best player, people in the Spartanburg area, or if you've followed Major League Baseball for a long time, you know the name Wayne Tolleson. Wayne was actually my idol – but it was his younger brother, who was actually a year or two younger than me, who was our starting center fielder and our best player. His older brother, Wayne, that I just mentioned, was, I don't know, four or five years older and an unbelievable athlete at Spartan High and in Western Carolina and then played, played 10 years in the majors. Mm. He was really kind of my idol. And, uh, but it was his brother, who was also a great baseball player. and didn't go on to the major leagues or anything, but he was easily our best player. But my coach, once again, Coach Norris, was really cool and really understanding, and he helped me get that letter jacket. And you don't have enough time to me to tell you how I <laughs> lost it. But anyway, we'll do that on the next one. So, um, so after high school, after your your um, high school sports career, uh, yep. What was what was next for you? Did you know immediately right after that what you wanted to do? Since you had that though that deep connection and love for sports, did you know immediately like what as a career? Yeah, or, no, or just no, no. like after, or, or as a life path or yeah, anything? Like no, not really. And I still don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm only halfway kidding. But no, it, 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 there was a, like four guys 
four or five guys who had who were like a year or two older than me, and they end up going to a military prep school called Fork Union. Very prestigious. Actually, put a lot of guys in the NBA and the NFL and all that. Okay. And um, and at the time and in high school, I, I was more of a knucklehead, Carlos, than I am now. <laughs> you know, not that hard to believe, right? But um, <laughs> but but I didn't I didn't study. I mean, I wasn't a dumb kid. I just I had no desire to really study. I read the I read the sports page, right. and I watched the the sports on channel seven or thirteen or four. We only had three four channels at the time, and um, you know I just didn't apply myself, so I didn't make very good grades. I didn't make horrible grades, but not real good grades. And I really wanted to play college basketball, so I thought that this would be a good path. So I, it, we, we couldn't afford Fork Union as a family, right? So we found another one. It was called Frederick Military Academy in Portsmouth, Virginia. And so I enrolled up there, and they had, I think, 7th grade through 12th grade, and then they had a postgraduate class. That's what I was in. Mm-hmm. Kids who had either, you know, barely graduated high school or dropped out or or just had academic issues or mm-hmm. discipline issues or whatever, sent them to military school, right? I mean, I was a knucklehead. I wasn't really a discipline problem, but I went to um, Frederick, and there were 30 postgraduates, right, in our class, and uh, we were the oldest in the school, and 15 of us played on the basketball team, and so I was on the basketball team, and i I happened to play behind quite possibly the best player I've ever played with, and I've played with pros before. I really have. I played with guys who ended up, you know, brief stints in the NBA from time to time at, like, summer camps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the guy that I uh, played behind, and I mentioned this on our show on Monday night, Double Dribble, just passed away in um, December of last year. Carlos, when you get this age, it's about every other week when you hear about <laughs> one. But R.I.P. Donnie Dodds, uh, a, a kid from Chester, Pennsylvania, who was quite phenomenal on a basketball court. It was, it was unbelievable. But I played behind him and, you know, um, and, and with several other good players, I think at least five or six that signed D1, um, you know, offers and played. Donnie ended up playing briefly at Temple, and it didn't work out. So we went to a junior college in California and then ended up at Hawaii. And then I don't know what happened after that, but kind of lost touch. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we had some players, and that, that was really good. So then after that, a- after military school, uh, I think the very next fall I enrolled at um, – well, I'll tell you, let, let, if I could, I'll go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. I didn't have um, – I didn't have enough of my man card, Carlos. I'm going to put it like that, to stick it out in military school. I had something happen to me. It was my own fault, right, mm-hmm. to where I got disciplined in military school. You know, I'm a storyteller, so I'm going to try to keep this short. But anyway, I had to – when you get disciplined in military school, they don't – at least the one I went to, they don't spank you with a belt or anything like that. You know what they do? They make you march. Mm. <laughs> you go out, <laughs> buy a flagpole, kid you not. It's a designated area. And it's, it's probably a, little, a lot tougher back then, too. It's yeah. a strip of concrete about 30 yards wide, right? You're in your uniform and your hard – you know, patent leather shoes, right? Mm-hmm. And you're marching with a fake rifle. You go to the end where the flag is. You do your about face or whatever, 
And then you march the other way, and you march for 50 straight minutes each hour. You get a 10-minute <sighs> break. <isn't> <laughs> I got a 100-hour marching assignment, 100, 100 tours, I think is what they call them. And I did like 90 of them. I sure did. That's it's tough. But anyway, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and the other the, the details of the story are much longer, so I'll, I'll just keep it short. But the, the point I was trying to make is that the – the day of our last basketball game, the day before that night game, right? I called my mom and dad, and I talked to my dad, and I said, "Pop, I said if you don't come get me, man, I'm gonna thumb home." And this is this is up in the Tidewater area. This is seven and a half hours from Spartanburg, right? <laughs> and I, as I tell the story, and I've told it many times, and my late pop, you know what he should have said, and he's the he, he is my dad. Boy, do I miss my dad. But anyway. Just an unbelievable man of God, and and just he should have said, "Well, we'll see you when you get here." But he didn't. <laughs> he and my mom came and got me the next day, and they brought me home. But I still I had this dream as a kid growing up in the South. I don't know if you ever had this dream, Carlos, but I wanted to ball in the city. I wanted to play urban basketball. I had played around here, played everywhere around here, and. You know, at the beach and, you know, North Carolina or wherever, but I'd never really played, you know, city basketball. So I got an immediate job at um, Mayflower, moving furniture, okay? Worked there for two or three months, made a little bit of money, and then shifted over to Stucky Brothers and Hart in Spartanburg, moved some more furniture, <laughs> and by late May or whatever, I had 60 bucks in my pocket and a one-way train ticket to Philadelphia, and I had stayed in touch with this guy I was telling you about, Donnie, Mm -hmm. that I played behind in military school. He stuck it out, and, well, I mean, how could he not? A dude was a freaking superstar in a military (laughs) school. But although we had a good team, he was our best player. But anyway, I trained up. His girlfriend picked me up at 30th Street Station, downtown Philly. Drove me back out to Chester, and I learned later I could have just got off in Chester, but I wanted to go to Philly. (laughs) Anyway, so she drives me back out. I hang out with my boy at his family at their row home in Chester, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. for two or three weeks. They end up going down to the shore. You know, we in the south go to the beach. They went to the shore, so I went with them. And lo and behold, four days after I'm down there, I run into – one of my roommates from military school who's at the same beach oh, for the summer. He's with his brother and, like, two or three other boys in, like, a bachelor summer crib, right? So I was like, yo, I'm going over there. So I did. And and from there, I met a dude who had a, a crib downtown Philadelphia, and I ended up moving in that crib. He actually moved out because he was going to his dad's up in New Hampshire for the summer or something. So I believe it or not, so you had for a, crib. a little while, I had oh, a yeah. crib downtown yeah. Philly, man. And out one window, Los, out one, his bay window was Center City, Philadelphia. You walk down the hall and go to his kitchen, you look out on South Philadelphia and all the row homes and all that. And, I, you know, I, every afternoon I'd take me a walk and I'd find a game, man. And Ooh. so I got to play the summer – city basketball that I, you know, and and then later on, uh, I can't remember how many years later, I, through 
college roommates. I, st- I stayed a uh, summer outside of Boston and got to play a little bit downtown mm-hmm. Boston. I, I played. My uncle lived in Manhattan. Went up and hung out with him a little bit. Got to play a little bit more. So you know. So you had an just, opportunity to a, kind of move around and just stay. It was just a, man. Every summer, I, I am king couch surfing, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I would. I, I don't know uh, who who will be watching this podcast. But uh, and and I don't want to take kids away from their families and everything. But I tell you, I had a heck of a time. You know, most people when they start getting older and maturing and everything, they start thinking about money and how they can secure right. the future. And all that. I had no concern about that whatsoever. You just wanted to play ball. Man, I just wanted to travel, meet people, and play ball, right. man. And that's what. And I it's did. still good that you that's had those I'm, connections too. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. So, so how did you transition? Having lunch with uh, that same dude that I ran into that I moved into his house, having lunch with him Friday and my other roommate from military school circa really? 1978. Yeah, we're getting back together for the first time since 78. Man, that's crazy. How many years is man, that, man? That's a good time right that's there. That's ancient. Anyway, Just, we'll, have a, we'll have a blast. Mike Wiedemann and Henry Atkins. Oh, shout out to yep. those two gentlemen yeah, absolutely. as well. So, so how did you transition – and to getting into the to the sports media, like how how did that all start? Um, I can't remember exactly. I mean, you know, I've got a story. Um, I had oh, I tell you what, I think I could piece this together. And this is going to take a little while. You don't mind? <laughs> go ahead, right? go ahead. Okay, go ahead. all right. I'm in junior high at Evans Junior High, right uptown. It's now the Social Services Building or whatever, mm-hmm. the Evans Center, right? That's where I went to junior high school. Okay. You know, before they even thought about having middle school, we had junior <laughs> high, right? So anyway, there's this, I'm just going to keep it real on your podcast, man. It was this fat white kid that moved down from Jersey, <laughs> right? And he, one of the first days of school, he brought a Street and Smith's basketball magazine, which was the, before, people, they, you know, I know I'm ancient, I'm a relic, la-da-da-da, <laughs> heavy laughs and all that. But I'm telling you, print used to be the thing long before oh, yeah. the internet and phones and all that. And for the longest time, the basketball magazine was Street and Smith's basketball magazine. Then then these others came out I never even heard of but it. Any, yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, look it up. It's It's awesome. But in it, they would always have a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. And he started thumbing through this thing as I was looking at it, showing me and all these other kids. And, I, and we were fascinated, you know, because we had barely gotten into the NBA, much less the ABA or anything like that. But anyway, he started turning. And all of a sudden, I started seeing pictures of Julius Irving, Dr. J. Dr. J. Right? Yeah. And, um, and, and on one picture... On one, on one page was three elongated pictures of Dr. J in action, in game action. Lowe says, God is my witness. I promise you, in one of those pictures, in a game, Dr. J is dunking behind his back. Not like this down here at his hip, but he's, he's I, I can't, it was, and I was, I started, and I think I even, Asked the dude, you know, who's that? And he probably looked at me like I was from another path. But anyway, I soon learned of Dr. J, and he became my all-time idol. And also, I found out, and I'm still a shorty now. I'm still in junior high. And I found out that, you know, I told you there was four television stations. The guy up in Asheville, WLOS, he was the only guy that carried – uh, ABA highlights in his sports. You know how they do local sports at 11, mm-hmm. 15, 11, 20, whatever. Right. I'd stay up 
as a kid in junior high, I looked at it. And also, my parents, one of those Christmases, gave me a clock radio, basic little box clock radio. To this day, best Christmas present I ever did. Because you know why? Because late at night, I would sit back in my room and I would turn the AM dial trying to find, trying to find it. ABA games, and I found tons of them. I found I found the Nets at the Indiana Pacers or at the Denver Nuggets and all that. So I became this Dr. J freak and you know it just it it kind of went from there and um it it, it was a case where I didn't know it but that was kind of starting this love of radio and becoming a radio head and an AM radio head mm-hmm. because not quite as much lately, but up until two or three years ago, Los, I'm the guy who will sit out in his car on the curb and listen in, in late in the evenings and listen to WFAN in New York mm. or listen to WIP in Philadelphia or, you know, any of these city stations. And you can get them on the Internet now, you know. Oh, yeah. But I'm, you know, I like to go out and hang out in my mm-hmm. car sometimes. And But anyway, that's kind of – and, and – um, so here's how it happened, okay? Uh, real quick, before okay. you, before right. you, before Need you, break? no, no, before okay. you, uh, before you continue with your story, though, I just want to ask you because when people talk about the greatest players of all time, and we're going to talk a lot more about this as the show goes on as well, but since you mentioned Dr. J, yeah, um, I know uh, the ABA, you heard you talk about the ABA and listen to it on the radio, but when you finally got a chance to just watch him, and then when they, when they merged with the NBA. Just how good was Dr. J? Because a lot of times when they talk about the greatest players of all time, which I wasn't born back then, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch Dr. J play. But when you talk about great players, just how good was Dr. J when you finally had a chance to like watch him play? First off, he doesn't, especially with today's audience, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Mm-hmm. I will say this about Doc. His game wasn't as complete as Jordan's. Okay, but there were certain things that he did, and because he was doing them when he was doing them, I mean, it it would if you were to go back and watch some highlights of Julius Irving in the ABA, it it would it, it would defy any kind of logic or it, it was unbelievable his air show. Mm-hmm. And look, there's some high flyers in the game right now, and there have been Vince Carter. In that dunk competition was incredible. It's all time, yeah. There used to be a guy named Dr. Duncanstein who played at Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, Daryl Griffith, and it, he could. Re- I mean, there's been some serious high flyers. There's some guys now that just they get to the rim fast and quick and all that. Doc just Doc just took off and it was like a freaking airplane, mm-hmm. man. You didn't know. I mean, it, it, and plus he had the big hands and it, it, the originator of kind of what Doc did. And I don't know that I've ever heard him or read it that he patterned his game after him or what he did after him. But Connie Hawkins was doing that. I've Spencer heard Haywood did some of that too. But Connie Hawkins with his big hands and all that. But Doc would catapult his. He would use the ball and momentum from you know the run up to the jump. And he was more of a one foot jumper, but he could still jump off of two. But most of his spectacular stuff around the rim was off of one foot with that big claw, pretty much doing anything. Want did he? I, th- I think Doc could shoot the ball from deep. Okay, he had a little set right. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't see Doc do a whole bunch of. He may have had this, but you know, I 
I only saw him a limited number of times. I saw highlights all the time, and I listen on the radio all the time. But as far as like, you know, there's three levels you score the basketball at. You can score it from deep, you score it mid-range, and you score it at the bucket, right? right? Anything Doc did around the bucket was either a dunk or a finger roll or something majestic. It really was. I didn't see him like – shot fake from 18 or 20 and then put it on the deck and instead of going all the way pull up for a jump shot like you know like Jordan did so many mm-hmm. times and others who are great mid-range jump shots but doc it was there was such a mystique about him when he played it was there in the NBA but not to the level I don't think as it was in the ABA and he was just so far ahead athletically and it I, I, it's hard to put into word Los, into words mm-hmm. he was um he was an unbelievable electric yet elegant athlete uh and was a winner too and he and if you combine his aba and his nba scoring and I lo- a lot of people would would downgrade that because he, they say the aba didn't play any defense at all and all that you can find any basketball that they it looks like they're not playing defense right <laughs> and a lot of people times a lot of because, people saying it about yeah. today's game yeah right? yeah, no defense, yeah and yeah, they're so, wrong right, right. And, yeah exactly and uh so anyway he was uh he was unbelievable he mm-hmm. was unbelievable he was and still to this day um I don't. I don't think he's the greatest of all time. I, I truly think he is easily one of the greats. There's mm-hmm. no question. We, we, we're definitely going to talk about you know the greatest of all time as the show goes on because I definitely wanted to ask you about that as well. So kind of like back to your story. You know, you saying you listen to it on yep, the yep. To, listen to it on the radio. Yep. Um, when was it that you finally got your first opportunity? Was it um, covering like sports? Was it like um, was it a radio gig? Was it working at a newspaper? Like no, what was I the never, opportunity? I, I never, I never did the schooling. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I should have. Maybe I still should. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, no, here's how it happened for me. I started, like I said, I became an AM radio head at an early age, and then you know, kind of you know, got away from it. Not consciously just kind of did because of you know college and you know trying to get a job after college and all this and that and and then kind of came back to it but anyway I never had a great desire to coach but I really enjoyed the scouting and recruiting aspect of it I only played one year of college basketball it's at Spartan Methodist College I played behind a a guy from um, Charlotte named Ted Dunn was a very controlled very good point guard out of Myers Park, and he actually was a teammate of the guy I told you I'm having lunch with Friday, mm-hmm. one of my roommates in military school, right? But anyway, um, I, I uh, so I decided that the best thing for me to do to, you know, kind of get a taste of scouting and recruiting was to go back and talk to the guy that I played for, Coach Jim Johnson at Spartan Methodist College, and I went out and talked to him about getting on his staff. And he told me what anybody else has ever told me, Ken, we don't have any money for you, but if you want to be a part of this staff and be a volunteer and all that, he said, what I'll do is um, I'll give you a high school pass and I'll let you go look at local players for me. So I went right downtown. Uh, It was either a Wake West or somewhere like that, and I got me two Zoot Suits. No, it was the Salvation Army. They used to have these specials, whatever you could pack in a a brown paper bag, Mm -hmm. 
you could have for like eight bucks, right? So I found two. Uh, you know what a zoot suit is? I have no <laughs> This is what the jazz players used to wear back in the day. Shiny. They're two-piece suits. They're business suits, right? Mm-hmm. But they were they were they they actually kind of looked looked like the the European suits that the people started wearing a year or two ago that are real tight. Mine wasn't near that tight, and I don't <laughs> condone that at all. And I don't play that close, but. These were kind of shaped like that, but they were real shiny. Anyway, so I put on a zoot suit, had my high school pass, and I went and looked at local players for this coach and gave him a report, that kind of thing. But anyway, so I also thought, if I'm going to scout and recruit and all that, maybe I should work some of these summer camps, a way to pick up some money, you Mm -hmm. know, and do something I love and all that. So I started. Oh, and here's what I did. After I moved uh, to Atlanta and then Charlotte and then came back in town, after I had already done that early recruiting for the guy I played for, I just, out of the blue one day, said, I'm going to go back out to SMC in the gym. And I walked in the back door, K-Mac Auditorium down there at the bottom. And uh, I walked in, and they were having a practice, and their new guy was there. Scott Rizzo, uh was a young buck who originally from Pittsburgh, played at Buffalo, blew out his knee, and then got into coaching, was on George Felton's staff at South Carolina as a grad assistant and then just an assistant, I think, for I think maybe four years. But anyway, it was his first head coaching gig. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and introduced – stuck my hand out when he walked over there. You know, I was sitting on the bleachers and introduced myself and just told him I was interested in scouting and recruiting. He told me the same thing my other coach told me. Got no money, but if you want to be a part of this thing. Take advantage of the opportunity. And they were, they, it was early in the year, and most good coaches condition their team, and they get them up early, and that's what he was doing. So I was in my early 30s, so I got up every morning, I don't know, for a month, month and a half, whatever, and I went over there and ran with college athletes up hills and lifted weights at 5.30 in the morning, that kind of thing. And then I was on staff, and – during that time, I, I, and then when I, I moved to Charlotte, I, uh, I was, I was trying to set up camps, and I heard that Bobby Jones, you know, the name Bobby Jones was a starting probably power forward with Julius Irving on the Sixers, originally from Charlotte, played at North Carolina, okay, a defensive specialist. And also a man of God, a man of great faith and a quiet man, but a very good man. I'd never met Bobby before. I lived 12 minutes from the school he was working at, Charlotte Christian. You know what I did, Lowe's? We used to have phone books, remember? I picked up the phone book. I looked them up. I I called Bobby Jones on the phone and and, uh, I said, I said, Coach, and I knew he was a Christian, and I said, Coach, I'm a Christian. I want to get involved with your program. He said, well, come see me. <laughs> and I said, when? He said, right now. I got in my car. I drove over there. And 15 minutes after I called him on the phone, I'm in Bobby Jones's office. Anyway, long story short, um, I, I met with him probably 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Got involved with his program a very little bit. But even during that meeting, I said, Coach, I hope I'm not out of line here. I said, but I'm trying to set up these summer camps. It, is there any way you could – and I knew to get in North Carolina's camp, you had to really know somebody. But I took a shot. It's worth I took a sh- shot. Yeah. It's and I said, Coach, do. I hope I'm not out of line. But I said, is there anything you can do about – he said, give me a couple of days. He called me a day or two later said, I got you in. 
So I ended up working North Carolina's camp for like three years. I ended up working South Carolina's camp because I had that, I think, Rajot, the guy I was telling you at SMC, he set me up with that. Ended up working Manhattan's camp because because of the recruiter that Scott Rajot was, he, he started bringing in these big-time D1 athletes, basketball players, and all these D1 coaches started coming from everywhere. Huggy Bear from Cincinnati, Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. Yeah, all yeah. these Fran Fraschilla, who is now an excellent analyst and all that, he was a head coach at Manhattan. I ended up setting up that trip to work his camp. But anyway, I'm at North Carolina working a basketball camp, and every week they, you know, of camp, they have a coaches get together. I think it was on Wednesday night. Camp runs from Sunday to Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a get together, and this one is at the Pizza Hut. Have you been to North Carolina's campus before? No, um, the Tarius, okay. No, yeah, I, have, yeah. I haven't been to the campus. No, yeah, that, Not yet. bucket list that one because that's that's a nice okay. little beautiful campus. But the main road is Franklin Street. There's a Pizza Hut right across from the Granville Towers. It was where they house all the athletes at camp and all the coaches and stuff, okay. right? So the get together, the drop ins at Granville Towers. So I went over there. And I've got a Dean Smith story, but it'll, it'll take us way too long. My wife's going to get me for not being home <laughs> by now. So anyway, I'll save that one for next time if you want. Oh, but anyway, that? I met a guy named Butch Estes who happened to be – Butch was a walk-on at North Carolina. I think he played on one of the championship teams. And anyway, he got into coaching. He got the Furman job. And at the time, he was coaching Furman. But uh, I, So I sat down. It was the first time I ever met Butch. He was up there because his kids were in camp. Mm-hmm. And we sat down for three minutes. And he's, Ken, I got to go. He said, but if I – just like all these other coaches, because that's what you do, you network, right? He's like, if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Right. I run into him six months later in bitter winter, and I found out – and I you know, I'd started to listen to Sports Talk Radio. I found out he was doing a radio show. Now, Los, you've been in this business quite a while now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. My man was doing a 30-minute radio program. Come on, man. Come on, 30 a 30-minute radio program. That's, that's an that's, ad. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's that, going by so yeah, quick. Yeah, that's, that's an no ad. There's no time. You ain't no time to do a yeah. show. But he was driving over. You know how long it takes to get to Furman? He was, coming, he was doing it at Vic Bailey. They had actually built him a glass booth inside the dealership where he did his show. Mm. Did it Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, something like that. It was a 30-minute show. So anyway, I was like, oh, and, and keep in mind now, I had gotten up the guts to call a national radio show. Never done it before, shortly before this happened. And, and I got on the air, right, and I just – what happened? Oh, gosh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Okay, I don't even know how to describe it, right? Mr. Wordsmith, please describe what happened. <laughs> no, I can't. So anyway, so but, but I, somehow the bug, I didn't know it was in me, but I, it was kind of in me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I say to Butch, you know, I say, Coach, remember what you told me back up in Chapel Hill? You know, da 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 And he's like, yeah. And I said, I know you got a radio show. So how about you let me come in? He said, I'll tell you what, Ken. He said, I've got three headsets. He said, I've got a guy on there tonight. This was like Wednesday, I think. He said, I got a guy on there tonight and maybe tomorrow night. He said, but if you want to come, this guy was like a shooting specialist or something. But Butch was just going to interview him, right? 
He said, if you want to come, you're more than welcome to, you know, you might not get to talk much. So I came that first night on, I think it was a Wednesday, and they were, you know, chopping it up a little bit. And right mm-hmm. at the very end, I think they asked me, and I said, like, one sentence, right? Next day, same thing happened, right? The next day, oh, and, but I got to say about two sentences. Right at the end of the show, 30-minute show, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Friday lows, Friday lows, all right? I go on there, and the dude's not there, so I'm on with Butch. It's your opportunity. So we chopped it up. Mm-hmm. You know the bug's hitting me now, right? So then I was, you know, I, I was like, he, he kept saying, you want to come tomorrow? You want to come? And I was like, yeah, coach. You know, because I was eating it up. I had the bug now. I didn't even really know it, right? So then I'm on, like, every day for about a week. About week two or so, he goes, Ken, i got to go out of town tomorrow. You think you can host this show? I was like, I don't know, Coach, but I'll try, right? So I did all this prep and everything. Right. And I did okay. This is my very first time, right? Mm-hmm. So we do – he comes back the next night. We do several more shows. He goes, Ken, you want to do it again? I got to go out of town. I was like, yeah, Coach, I can do that. I got, I got all big-headed. Yo, man, 30-minute show. The last 15 minutes, I was glad I had brought a Sports Illustrated because I was reading out of the magazine, <laughs> yeah. man. I got back up big and bold, yeah. you know? So I'm reading out of this one, and I learned a valuable lesson that night. If you ever get this opportunity again, you got to prep. You got to prep. You got to have it's some important, yeah. You got to do the work behind the scenes and all mm-hmm. that. So then, oh, and so about the third or fourth time he asked me to host, I asked the dude I was telling you about, Scott Rougeau, to come over. And you have to understand, I don't think you've ever met Rougeau, have you? No, I He's like a modern-day Seinfeld. I don't know if you're a big fan, but you know about Seinfeld. I've heard right? of you. You know the wit and everything, mm-hmm. right? This dude's a modern-day Seinfeld. He really is. So he comes over, and I'm hosting the show, and he's on the show. We do a 30-minute show. We laugh the whole time, but we had a great show. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens about a week later. He comes over. We do the show together. We laugh. The whole, had a great time. Had a what we thought was a good show, and it – Hopefully it was. Right <laughs> after that, he goes, Coach, we need our own. We call each other Coach because I was on his staff, right? mm-hmm. volunteer. And he goes, Coach, we need our own show. I was like, yeah, we do. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. That's a lie. I said, stop. He was like, yeah, man, we do. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, if you're serious, I'll, I'll go and see what I can do. So what I did was the only little radio station, I think there were two or three in Spartanburg, but I rode down to the one where I knew that's been my radio home now for a long, <clears throat> close to 40 years. But I, I just walked in there, right? I parked my car and walked in there, asked who the owner was, met him. It was a guy named T.C. Lewis, owned the show at the time. And so basically, I learned that they would sell you airtime if you had content and, and money to buy the airtime. So... I learned how to become an independent radio contractor, and I negotiated nice. a, a price with TC, and he gave me a good rate, and so we started doing a, a, a show. And so I just started doing those, you know, and that's kind of how I got my start. I know, I know we might be a little pressed with time, and we got to okay. definitely talk about right. the NBA, right. but, but something I want you to talk to the audience about, you know, just realizing those opportunities. Like when those coaches told you at the time, you know, yeah, we you went in and asked them about certain opportunities, and they told you, hey, we don't have any money, but if you want to just come in and learn and just do the job, then you're more than welcome to. And you took advantage of those opportunities. Same thing with, you know, working in radio. 
where you, like you said, at first no air time to talk, then maybe like two minutes, and then after that they would give you a chance to like run the run the entire show. Just talk to the audience real quick about you know take advantage of those opportunities because for some for some people. If the opportunity they want an opportunity, but if it isn't exactly what they want or expect it to look like, they may turn it down. Whether it's for money or, like you said, if, even if it's for that airtime, they don't get that certain amount of airtime. They might not. They might turn down those radio opportunities. But just talk to the audience the importance of you know realizing the opportunity right is right in front of you and just to take advantage of those opportunities. Absolutely. Don't arrive. Don't think you've arrived if you don't have anything on your resume. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, build your resume. And the way to, that I know to do that, you got to do a lot of volunteer stuff. Absolutely. You know, yep. and, and you're a testimony to that. Yep. I mean, it's in other words, you can drill for oil all you want. You probably ain't going to hit the first 78 times. That's a fact. You got to keep drilling. Yep. You got to keep drilling. So you got to, in, in other words, people are going to know People are gonna know how bad you want it or how bad you don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's just like stuff like this. Who knows what? See this? Maybe somebody want a crazy old man, you know, to yep. do something else. You know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want me again. Who yeah. knows? You know. But you gotta, you gotta get out. You gotta try. You gotta you try. Gotta, you gotta, you know, to use the baseball metaphor, you gotta step up there. You ain't hitting nothing. Exactly. You ain't swinging at. That's just what like, I, I said about uh, intercom when when I was at intercom working with you guys. You know, sitting back there. Uh, I enjoyed the time, but I knew that wasn't my ceiling. But at the same time, I just wanted the opportunity to to come in and work and learn. So, man, I was driving an hour from home, like from all the way from Jonesville, all the way up to Greenville, sometimes 4 or 5 in the morning to work on WRD, uh, the news station, then come in and work with you guys at ESPN Upstate. But I was only making $10 an hour. So when you factor all that in, that hour hour drive, I was in the hole – Oh, and yeah. I barely did oh, even yeah. profit, but it yeah. was just that opportunity to learn. And while I was there, I probably was there about six or seven months, like I was telling you. Then after that, you know, Lonzo taught me a great deal about editing audio. If Before then, I couldn't even edit audio. So that, that three-hour show that you guys were doing, two, three-hour show that guys, yep. you guys were doing, by the time we finished all of that, I could edit the whole show in there maybe like 20 20, 25 minutes. If that, I could cut it out and edit. Before then, it took me like an hour, two hours just to sit down and learn how to do it. But it was the opportunity that I Absolutely. realized that was in front of me. So yep. I just was like, you know what? It's a great chance for me to learn this stuff. And now, like when I can go edit my own audio video footage, I give a great it's deal invaluable. of credit. Yeah, yeah, I give a great good deal of credit to you guys for that opportunity to sit sit in there, it watch how me, you guys bro. learn the it show. And all. But me. you but you were a big part of the show well, too. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I don't know about big, but uh, Oh yeah, you definitely had I some interesting takes. I don't know. So and we're definitely gonna get into some of these takes right now. Okay. Uh, we're gonna t- right. we're gonna talk about the NBA before we get ready to wrap it up. Okay. So for you, like <clears throat> speaking of the NBA, just talk about your opinion, like the state of the NBA now. Like how do you view like overall is like this, how do you like it? Look, I, I think it's fine. I, I've heard, I even heard a guy on local radio today just absolutely trashing it. But no, man, stop. You know, I, yeah. I, look, is it perfect? No. Right. Do they shoot a, the ball from deep a little bit too much? Yeah. A we saw bit. that with Boston yeah, the other we night. Did. We did. And maybe that points out the weakness that they didn't need to get exposed, but did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I've got something on that if you need it. But, um, no, I I think it's fine. You, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in. Look, the last 
40 to 70 years, humans have gotten bigger, stronger, and faster. Mm-hmm. That's and, fact. And the, the natural explanation of that is that this country and others, I'm sure, have put steroids in the meat and the milk, for, you know, into the cows that produce the meat and the milk and the other animals, the chickens or whatever, and we're just bigger people. And we're way more numerous than we've ever been. And yet, sure, kids growing up in America, wherever they grow up or all across the world, they're into a lot of different things because there's a lot more to do today. But there's so many more kids that a, still a big chunk of them play sports. Mm-hmm. And when more kids play it, the competition becomes better. You get more cream rising to the top. In other words... You give me a pool of 10 athletes and give me a pool of 1,000 athletes, and I can promise you, even if you're a great coach, I'm probably going to beat you 8 out of 10 times, you know, mm-hmm. because there's just more to pull from. So, you know, man, it's uh, I, I think the league is fine. I would like to see a little bit more mid-range. That's I enjoy watching Jimmy Buckets. It's underrated, uh, yeah. The yeah, yeah, the underrated. mid-range game. And, uh, and, and he still shoots the three okay, too. But mm-hmm. – um, you know, and, and Boston maybe should have learned that lesson. But when you see a team execute, you know, uh, like Boston this year when they were rolling, um, you know, um, you just you, – you realize that um, – and I tell people, it really the difference is sit up close. You can you can see it on TV a little bit, but, but when if you, you actually really want person, to appreciate it, yeah, you get yeah, you, you get a tell. chance to see I a lot agree. of NBA games up close, and it is just a world of difference. When you, I mean, because when you see them on TV, or like my very first experience, I'll try to keep this one short. Of seeing an NBA game, I think I was 15 years old. I went with my church, um, and we went to the Chick Fil A right down and right near the Omni where the Hawks used to play, and we had the the cheap seats are way up in there. You don't remember the Omni, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, look up the Omni. The the seats were like Sherpa high. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? The, they were like Himalayan high, right? <laughs> so you're looking down on the court, and I, you know, I don't even know. I don't know if I voiced it or whatever, but in my head, man, I can do everything those guys can do. So the next game I went to, yeah, that in Atlanta again and the Omni again too. I, I can't remember who I was with or whatever. But I started walking down the floor, you know, closer to the floor, closer to the action. Because mm-hmm. then, if you knew what you were doing, you could sit anywhere you want. And I, I don't know if I was 16 or 17 by then or 18 or whatever. Might have been 18 or 19 by then. But anyway, as I walked closer and closer to the floor, <laughs> dudes started getting big, man. You, yeah. You know, and so I realized that as skilled as I might have been, you know, as a small person, those dudes foot, foot and a half mm-hmm. taller than me were doing the same thing. And it's just amazing, the, you know, the level of talent because you really do have to have it to play in yeah, that league. It's a, and, and they're just – they're giants. Yeah. They're it's, a, it's a different giants. skill set. Yeah. Now, these guys are, are – when you look at them like a Kyrie – the way he can handle yeah. the ball, man, yeah. it's so crafty. It's uh, ridiculous. Uh, sometimes it looks look like some of these guys may travel with the way they do these uh, and steps in Euro. they do, mm-hmm. but, but I'd say more times than not, it's your eyes playing tricks right. on you. Yeah. The, and, and, and look, and, and do, do, do officials, I think at pretty much any level, especially the highest levels like the NBA and D1 and stuff like that, and in Europe, and do they are they a little bit liberal? They allow a little bit. Yeah, it's borderline yeah. at times. 
Because they know uh, they're still about entertainment, too. And look, I call games for PC, right? I'm the color analyst. Mm -hmm. I'm going on year 11 this fall if they'll have me back, and I think they are. But, you know, and I see it in those D1 games. Sometimes I'm like, and I might even say it on the air. Sometimes we do it on ESPN Plus. That's, woo, you know, that's a little bit liberal, you know, that kind of thing. And and there is there is a little bit more than that you know, of that than you would like, but uh, overall, to to answer your question, Los, uh, state of the NBA is fine. The, it's fine. My only concern, you know, for me, you know, going to cover the Hornets game, I think the guys are super talented. My only concern would be the lower management. That's the only yeah, thing I yeah, worry that, about. That's an issue because no it's like a lot of times these guys will play mm-hmm. one the first night of a back to back, but the second night. They won't play. Like, right. I remember right. vividly they uh, Milwaukee, the night before they played Charlotte, I think they played the Lakers on a Friday night, and Giannis, I think Chris Middleton, had finally came back, Drew Holiday, all these guys. They played against L.A. that Friday night. I think the, the Lakers beat them. Saturday night they had to come to Charlotte, and the, the starters sat out. So, basically, yeah. it was like I think Giannis Middleton had just came back. He sat out. Drew Holiday, I can't remember. He might have played. He I want to say he sat out as well. But majority of the starters sat out the second night when they played Charlotte. Yeah. Even though they beat Charlotte, it's just like, man, these guys, they don't play a lot of back-to-backs anymore. Like back in the right. day, like my favorite all-time player was Kobe. You never had to worry about him sitting out of a back-to-back or anything. Mm-hmm. Back then, the guys just played no matter what, they, unless yeah. they were like seriously yeah. injured. Now guys are quick to, you know, sit down on a back-to-back or they got yep. three games and four nights. They're going to sit – one of those nights. So for me, it's like, you know, thankfully, you know, covering the games, we get in for, for free, but the guys or the fans that have to pay their hard earned money, it's like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And it, to me, I'm like, I almost would say, I would really wait to the day of the game to buy a ticket because you don't know whether yeah, these exactly. guys are going to play exactly. or, or if How they about don't. 15 minutes for game time. Exactly. They, the tip, they just know? shut it down. Like yeah. sometimes the guys go out there and have yeah. a good warm up and then they stay, you know, they're still inactive. Yeah. And I, I agree with something Charles Barkley said um, a couple months ago. He was saying, well, you know, they instituted the rule now where to be eligible for like a major award, like yeah. MVP or whatever, you got to play a minimum of 65 games. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I agree with Charles Barkley to the point where he's saying he doesn't like. Which is putting like a number three, on it. three quarters of the games, right? Yeah. It's 82. Right. Break it down in 20s, 20, 40, 60, 80, right? So now when you do that, like Charles Barkley was saying, is these guys know, okay, I can I can miss up to 17 games, a 17-game window where I know I can miss games. So I can play a stretch here, sit out a couple games here, play some more, sit out here and there, just to like rest. So now you put a number on it so these guys know – as long as they play 65 games, mm-hmm. they're going to be eligible. So mm-hmm. now these guys might take advantage of it, be like, you know what, I'm going to play these first 25, 30 games. I might miss the next seven or eight, and I still got another window where I can miss some more games. So now that you put that number on it, these guys know as long as they play 65 games, they're eligible. So I agree with Charles Barkley on that point where you put a, a number on it, now these guys, hopefully they don't do it, but they know if they, if they need to, they got like this window where they can sit out and you still be eligible for yeah. these awards. Like I, that's the only thing my concern. You know, going to cover the games, the guys just with low management that might yeah. affect the game long yeah. term. But I hope they do. Uh, now that they Something's put that number, got to be done about right. it. Uh, and I agree. Look, maybe speaking a little bit from the other side, it's kind of what we were talking about a little while ago. There's so many more. I mean, there's. There's more teams now in the NBA 
there's travel there you're going up against world-class athletes every night mm-hmm. and it's a very physical sport and and look this thing about you can't touch anybody anymore and it's a soft game and all that man that to me come on man seriously all right I think that is so overblown. And it was very physical back in the Pistons days and the Bulls and all that. And you could knock people down in the lane. But it, you know what? It was way too physical. You mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to do that in a game of yeah. basketball. You know, you should be kicked out of a game right. if you purposely take somebody out without making a basketball play. If you go to – at least you tried to make a basketball yeah. play. I'm fine with that. But any of the – but look, the game is still very, mm-hmm. very physical. Sit closer to the action. Get mm-hmm. some sweat on you from those players. You'll see how physical it is mm-hmm. at times. But I, I do agree with your point, load management. I lean, I'm pretty much, you know, I, I see both sides on almost every issue right. that, that you can imagine. But I do lean more toward the old school. I wish those guys would suck it up yeah. a little bit more. I mean, I'm I'm all for the players having the benefits of of the game and you know getting all the money and everything. But I do feel like yeah, but to a certain that, extent, use that money to to take care of your body like the greats, like LeBron and those guys right. who did it, and Kobe, 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 Kobe was out there every Kobe night. Kobe was was similar to Mike in so many ways, and in 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 this way, they understood they better get their butt in the weight room. You know, mm-hmm. and build that body not only for a little bit more of an edge on the court, but for recovering and for staying away from injury and stuff like that. That's what I say. Like this guy, Victor Wambayana, you know, the number he's, one in the he's draft. He's thin, super he's thin. super thin. And, and I'm okay with that mm-hmm. if he comes in the very first day looking for something to eat. I right. want that yeah, brother he got to eat. put on some I kind of weight. I want him to eat around yeah. the clock. But I also want him to be in the weight room, causing his hunger mm-hmm. to get even more. And I, you know, because I mean, that, that may be another podcast, but that cat's got a chance. He's got yeah. a chance. But I, I he's wish he not going to stay away from injury unless he puts some meat. Now, on injuries bones. is going to be part of the game. Oh, and, it's so close. And then he's going to have to guard some of the base. So when he, like, when he goes up against Embiid. Oh, yeah. B, and B is just oh, yeah. he's going to be too big it's for be, Exactly. And, I mean, he has you know, the height, but Look, he's, he's going to so do thin. some really nice things in the league the first year. Yeah. But he's he's going to be so much better after year two or three, after he puts on a little bit of meat. It, look, skill's going to be the same mm-hmm. or even better, but it's going to be the body that's right. arriving. And I don't expect him to gain like 40, 50 pounds or anything no, no, like no, that. I no, mean, he no. needs to just but, fill out his frame 20, a little bit more. 25 yeah. on a 7 4 frame or whatever he is, mm-hmm. you know, that that's not that much meat. Right. So he could stand to lose, I mean, mm-hmm. stand to gain between 20 and 30. You know? S- speaking of, uh, you know, when Biyama, no doubt, going number one, um, everything around it, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. I want to ask you your opinions as far as like, the NBA draft and uh, like the lottery part of it. What's your take on the lottery? Because for me, I'm going to let you go first, but to me it's a little interesting. But for me, no doubt, like even during the season, like I would talk to some of the guys during security, like after the Hornets games or whatever, and I would just tell them just straight up, you know, Spurs definitely getting the number one pick. I I just felt like no doubt, regardless of who had the worst record or anything, even though I, I don't even think they had the worst. I think it, I wanted to say it was either Houston or uh, Detroit. Somebody, one of those teams had the worst record in the NBA. But I was like, regardless, Spurs to me, I felt like no doubt was getting the number one pick. And and I'll let you go first, and then I'll tell you why I would say that. But um, what's your take overall on the uh, on the uh, NBA lottery? 
Um, you mean as far as do you uh, think it should go to? It? Yeah, do you think it should go to the worst, <clears throat> the team with the worst record? Like, how do you think like the lottery is? I, well, I think that's why they have the lottery so they could stay away from uh, you know Teams directly tanking. tanking. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you're you're you got the worst record in the league, and then that next team has the second worst record, so they automatically pull first, then second. Right. And second. So I think that's what the lottery is designed to do. Is it doing the job? Somewhat, but I'm sure there's – yeah, I mean, we can put a man on the moon or several men on the moon. we got to be able to figure out how to make that a little bit better, right. you know, to to relieve that tanking as, aspect right. in the league. And, I, you know, maybe we'll make some strides. I, I, get, I don't have the answer. Yeah, the I get that part, but to me – and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but to me, I look at it this way. To me, it was kind of like if you look at it, any time that uh, a lot of t- – not not every time, but a lot of times when these guys, like a, a big-time player leaves a smaller market, it seems like the ping-pong ball falls away. So if you look at it, just a few examples, when I look at LeBron leaving Cleveland the first time, they ended up getting the number one pick and they took Kyrie. Uh, just a few years ago when, when Anthony Davis got traded and went to L.A., mm-hmm. the ping-pong balls fell to New Orleans, Zion – you know, he goes to New Orleans. Then number two, Ja goes to Memphis. So it's mm-hmm. like, in a sense, these guys, it kind of helps the smaller markets in a sense. And so that's why I was saying in my mind, it's like Spurs, going, they're going to get the number one pick because really they're a smaller market and they really haven't been relevant since, you know, Tim Duncan and Kawhi and those guys left. So if you don't kind of help those smaller markets, what's going to keep those guys, those teams relevant? So for me, I was looking at it those ways. Like anytime, almost like a, a guy – even when Harden left Houston, the ping pong ball fell that way. I think they took uh, Jalen Green. I can't remember if Kate Cunningham went number one or two, but the ping pong balls fell and kind of in favor of Houston now. But it's like when those guys leave from the from the bigger markets, the ping pong balls fall that other way and kind of help them. So I was like, for me, that's why I was like, you know, not being a conspiracy theorist, but I was like, to me, if I had to put money on, I always felt like the Spurs were gonna get that number one pick. I almost felt like it kind of helps those smaller markets stay relevant because, you know, free agents not just going to go to San Antonio and say, hey, I want to go here and just play there in a, in a smaller market. It's like – so these guys have to – in order to keep those guys relevant and keep them in, in, in the market, the ping-pong ball, I feel like that's what kind of helps those smaller teams mm-hmm. stay relevant. That's just my opinion Yeah, Yeah, no, no, that's good. I like it. It was just something I just thought about. It's like when you look at these guys, the superstars leave these big – these markets – and it, it'll, it'll kill these smaller markets. Mm-hmm. So the NBA has to do something to kind of, like, help yep. them out. That's just my thought on, no, no, on, on, on the good. whole thing. That's just how I look at it. Yep. But we got a few more subjects, and okay. we're going to get ready to wrap it up. As far as the, the NBA playoffs, you know, the, the NBA finals start tomorrow. So what's your take overall? Well, let me, let me get to this first. Like, overall, like, how did you view the playoffs this year before we get to the NBA finals? Well, Denver's on a – you know, a historic run, mm-hmm. um, and I think they. I agree with a lot of people that right now Nikola Jokic is the best player on the planet. Yeah, it's hard to um, argue that. It, yep. And I think, I think the altitude thing is real. The numbers bear it out. I, I'm pretty sure Miami's going to struggle with that. They just came out of a seven-game series with a with a physical team, and they asserted their dominance in game seven. I give them that, even though I didn't call that. I, I called just the opposite. Uh, I just thought to Boston be, was Just to be honest, I really it. did too, but maybe they're not quite ready, but I thought they would be. But anyway, um, 
I, I just – look, let's see, you know, halftime of game one. Miami's still in the game. I guess you give them a chance. But that altitude thing is real. Mm-hmm. It really is. And they've had a lot of rust, but, you know, there could be rust. You know, it's the rest versus rust right. theory. But I, never I haven't, really, they haven't played in over a it's week. Like it's been 11 a, days, yeah, 10 it's or been 11 a quick, days by the time yeah. they play. Tip it tomorrow night at 830. But, but I, I, as skilled as that team is and as skilled as Jokic is and, and the way they like to get up and down, that's what they try to do, man, and they do it extremely well. They set the pace early of getting up and down, and usually it's Jokic with the ball in his hands. It's seven foot and 280 or whatever yeah. he is. He's leading the break. And – Look, man, you could make a case the dude's the best passer ever in the history of the game. The way he passes the ball. He passes the a basketball big man. and his vision and his delivery. and Plus, he's a great shooter from anywhere, can score from anywhere, and he's a great rebounder. Mm-hmm. And, and he's in excellent shape, and his game has just come around. Anyway, but he's far from the only one. And Jamal Murray, you've got a, a big-time lead guard who can score it and has a penchant for doing so in the clutch. And um, and and look, I think Contavious Caldwell Pope takes the short end of the stick. He is is a really, really good basketball player who does some real good things. Exactly what that team's need. You can't forget Michael Porter, a six ten guy can shoot it, but he's yep. also athletic. Can mix it up around the hole. He started to play some defense this year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and just you could you, and look, they may not be that deep. You know, because in and I'm suffering from you know East Coast bias because I hardly ever see Denver play, even though I've seen them play some this year mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So I can't really think too much of their bench. I know they have the Brown kid from Kansas, who gives them some pretty nice minutes. Bruce Shoots Brown, yeah, yep. he, yeah, he's yep. playing big. No, for Bruce him. Brown is is, Bruce is not. Brown. The one. I was talking about the other kid, but Bruce Brown has been playing big time. Big time. He's playing. He always plays bigger than his actual mm-hmm. height. And he's actually shooting a three pretty well now, and he's helping them big time. He's had a he's had a real nice playoff run. That's a good call on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and and Aaron Gordon is playing yeah. great basketball, but they just really fit well and they complement each other. Um, look, good luck trying it's, to outscore them. I was about you to say it saying? sounds like you leaning towards. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I made a mistake of you know not giving Miami the benefit of the doubt. I, I really thought I thought Boston was going to be the first team to turn that thing around, and yeah. you know there were some things that that you know in any victory there's some things that have to occur. I mean, think about the ifs. If Jason Tatum doesn't turn his we'll ankle, turn his ankle yeah. maybe he gets it going, maybe he doesn't. But if he gets it going, that helps other people get it going, and confidence breeds confidence. Maybe he hits a couple of uh, of long ones. And that frees up Jalen Brown not to have so much pressure on him to score the ball or, you know, because Mm -hmm. Jalen had a horrible game. But he's doing stuff that – look. There's a lot of turnovers, man. Yeah, Yeah. eight turnovers by one guy, and that's way too many. And, look, I think Jalen Brown, his future is as bright as anybody's in that league. I think the sky is a limit for that kid. And I, it, he does need to tighten up his handle, no doubt. Oh, yeah. But his his ability and his athleticism and all that and his shot-making ability, and he can shoot the ball from deep and all that, just got to tighten up his handle. Before but, I ask you about your finals yeah. prediction, what would you do with Boston? Because, you know, now to talk is do you oh, break up geez. Tatum and Brown? My opinion, I'm keeping them together. I keep them together. You're going to have to pay a hefty 
uh, amount to keep both of those guys yeah. because of the you know the supermax yeah. deal yeah. that's in play. That's right. But do you keep them or do you break them well, up? Well, I don't know. I, I you know that, that's a that's a loaded question and that may be a whole podcast in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see either way. I love both of them. Um, and I don't, and I don't, don't agree with people who say that they're basically the same player, and you don't need that. If I can have a, a Tatum and a Brown, and I can pay both of them. Yeah, I do need that, yeah. you know. And and I think they play well together. I agree, you know. And um, and I don't feel like it's no, any type of animosity between right. those two guys. I feel yeah. like they right. They play no, well no, together. no. I agree. Both of them. Look, first off, both of them are not only very smart, but they're very mature. Mm-hmm. And not only on the basketball court, but just as individuals. As These are businessmen, you mm-hmm. know. These are businessmen. And they know to succeed at the highest level in what they do, they do need to get along, and they do need to share the basketball, and they do need to, you know, do what they do. And, and, and look, both those guys, look, it, to me, it, the, the thought of, well, they have basically the same skill set, so I don't need both of them. Eh, you're going to tell me you can get double the skill set and you don't want that? Exactly. I mean, what is, it, what's, exactly. what is that logic? You know? As, well, I say, I, to me, I'm thinking long term, I keep them together because I know, like, at one point when they, KD was out there, they were talking about possibly a Jalen Brown trade for Durant. I'm not doing that because you're trading a 26-year-old guy for yeah, KD who's – 34, 35, towards the back end of his career, even though KD is a great player still, I'm not breaking that up to get an older player. When you got these two guys for the next 10 years, you can build around them. I think maybe just get them like a a, pure, a true point guard, like a real floor general to kind of like help run the show because when I was watching the game the other night, all they did was just jack up threes. Even yeah, when they, they were just they missing, weren't they weren't running. Stuff. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't running, running enough, enough plays. So if you got a, a pure point guard, even though I like Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon, if you get a pure, a true point guard, they can like run, get them in, get these guys in different sets, get them in where they want the ball in their favorite spots. That'll help those guys out. But to me, just to to break them up and just think you're gonna find somebody that's gonna be X. X times better than Jalen Brown, it's not really going to no, happen. No, These guys are, are all NBA players. Uh, so, no for point. me, I keep them together. You give them the Supermax because they're going to command it, and then you just got to figure out a way. Because yeah. those two guys by themselves can get you 45 to 50 yeah. wins. Yeah. You just got to build around them and build yeah. a, a solid team around yeah, them. But no for doubt. me, they're right. And just remember, well, a yeah. lot of people haven't been saying it, but, you know, they had they signed Gallinari last offseason. He tore his ACL. Uh. So he'll point. he'll be back next year, give them some more shooting, something that they yeah. they struggle with. So once they get him back, even though he won't be a, a great defender, you still got another guy who can stretch stretch the floor, get yeah, him more space because yeah, he yeah. can shoot, score some points. Yeah, yeah. so that's something else that's going to work in their favor. But for me personally, I'm keeping Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together. The only yeah, I, and I like that model too. I, I like it a little better than breaking them up. I can understand, and they may get broken up, but if they it's don't possible. and they stay with it, I think one thing that they could have really used this year, especially in game seven, is another way to score the ball, especially somebody on a low block. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Robert Williams. Right, and I right. I love yep, Al Horford. But, A, Robert Williams doesn't score the ball on the low block except for cleaning stuff up and on alley and stuff alley, like yep. that. But he's not a guy like a classic center like we used to see in Olajuwon and Ewing and those dump guys. Dump it down to him and go to work. Dump it yeah. down to him and go to work and he commands a double team mm-hmm. or he'll have 40 on you and 18 rebounds and you'll lose. You know what I'm right. saying? But, but if, if they would have had that guy this year, you know, and look, 
those guys don't come along every day, especially in today's game. Right, it's hard to find them. And they're kind of, kind of dinosaurs. But imagine if you'd have had a guy – imagine you had Kevin Garnett on this team this year. I don't even with Tatum turning his ankle the other, uh, I, I immediately sh- and I'm I'm getting, that's my focus a little bit. Even with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Smart and Brogdon and whoever else, Derek White who is unbelievable. Yeah, I love him. Too. I think everybody's yep. falling in love with Derek White in his game. But even with all that, my focus if I've got a proven low post scorer who can really go to work down there. You know, like if, if Garnett would have been on that team. It makes the game easier for yeah, him. Yeah, and, and especially when Jay said, I'm immediately, I'm, I'm dumping, to, and I'm calling a timeout, and I'm saying, look, we're going down to KG until they do something about it. Yep. And if they don't double him, KG's going to turn on anybody they got and just shoot that little, you know, 10 to 17-foot jump shot, little fadeaway, and he's going to have 40 and, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I, I just think, you know, it, it, they, they did have a – they had a borderline great team, but with some restrictions. Like if they don't shoot it well, then they better not turn it over a lot. Right. Game seven was that that double whammy. Yeah. They turned it over way too way much. Way too much. And if they would have shot it well, they could have stayed in the game. But they, I mean, they're at home, and that does mean something. But home or road. Those two things cannot coexist, and you expect to win, especially against a good basketball team like Miami with a lot of grit. You know, just not going to happen. Absolutely. So, real quick. Okay. Miami, Denver in the finals. Who you got and how many games? Um, I, I always hope and pray for a seven-game series. Right. Even though I have a job now where I have to go to bed at a decent hour, mm-hmm. so but I found out that ESPN replays it the next morning at like four thirty or five o'clock, so I can get up the next morning and watch the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, look, I, I I think the edge has to go to Denver because of, um, and I think this altitude thing can't be overstated, mm-hmm. man. I really don't. Plus the fact that they've had rest, plus the Jokic factor, plus all those other guys who are really good too and play well together. I, I don't think Miami's not going to win a game, right. but I, I hate to be be vague, but I if I had pressed to the wall, I'd say Denver in six, or and I hope seven. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's going to be surprisingly good. But I just I fear game one yeah. is not going to be real good. Initially, when I Thought about this series, I was like, man, this this going to be short and sweet. I was like, Denver and five. But the more I think about it now, um, even though I picked Miami to lose every series, I picked against them against Milwaukee. I yeah. picked against the I picked the Knicks. I picked Boston, and they proved me wrong every time. I just look at it like I think on paper you look like Denver just going to blow them out the water. But sitting back thinking about it, I do get them shot. I think. Game one might be one of the best chances to steal a game since they just played, what, three days ago. Denver haven't played in over a week, like you said, 10, 11 games. So, at least they've been in some kind of condition. Yeah, and even yeah. though I know Denver, they've been running and everything, but it's not like playing an actual game. So, you can go in and steal, steal game one, just build some momentum. And I always look at it like I wouldn't mind being the team on the road at home at first, I mean, on the road during a series if starting out because if I can go in and just steal at least one game on the that's road, all that's all you're trying to do is just yep. get one. Yep. You want to get both if you can, but if not, you just get one game and then you go back home, then you playing with house money. Then you just got to take care of home court. But I think – I just think 
even though I picked against Miami, I'm gonna pick against them again. I'm gonna take Denver in six games. I don't think it's gonna be as easy, just for the simple fact. I think you just gotta let Yo eat. I think you gotta let him get his triple double. I think you gotta let him get 40, 50 points every game. But you just gotta try to defend everybody else. Keep a body on Michael Porter. I just let my uh, Yo eat the whole game, maybe until like the fourth quarter. Then you try to like double him, cause you already know KB. What happens when guys just watch one guy just go to work the whole time? They just stand around. They get lackadaisical, and then you finally try to shoot them. But you know shooters like to have a rhythm. Yeah. So that's why I say shooters like to shoot. Shooters like to shoot. So I just let Yo eat the whole entire game, and then just try Maybe to. Maybe somebody else doesn't come up big. Exactly. They hadn't been touching. It hadn't been touching the ball. Okay. But I mean, you can sag off of my, um, Aaron Gordon. He's not the greatest shooter. I'm gonna keep a body on Michael Porter because you know he he'll he'll knock that Jamal Murray he'll surprise you a little bit sometimes. I'm telling you, he will. I mean, I, he's, I, I'll he's, take my chance okay. with Gordon well, over right. over Michael right. Porter. You know, you know, okay. Ed, uh, you know uh, Murray. Yeah, he, he, he's he's gonna he get shoot. his too. But, he's streaky like everybody, but, but he, when he gets but, on, when the money on the line, though, he's, he's 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 nice. Jamal but I, I just think for me, well, you got to you kind of like like. You gotta like use your weaknesses, your strength, and just let yoke. Cause you can't stop yoke. No, they no, don't have anybody no. that can guard them. No. Nobody. I think you just gonna put put Kevin Love on them. Start it out, I guess. Try to put Bam on them from time to yeah. time, even yeah. though Bam is too small. But regardless, you just I think you just let yoke eat the whole entire game, get what he want, and just hope everybody else is off. Cause well, I, I even though Miami. I think almost immediately after game seven, after they fulfilled their media obligations, you know, they hopped on a plane and went straight to Denver. They didn't go home. Right. Went straight to – and that's smart. You mm-hmm. know, of course, they're coached by one of the all-time greats, I think, Eric Spolstra. I think you've got to give time. him his due. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and the organization is true. You know, Pat Riley's the godfather yep. of, of hoops. And uh, it's that culture. And, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And all that is true. Right? And so they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? But I think it, even if they're very good in the first half, I think they run out of gas in game one. I really do, and mainly because of the altitude and the pace that Denver's going to set. Mm-hmm. And hopefully for Miami's sake, Denver won't be shooting it real well. If Miami defends well enough, and it's the, the big key is defensive transition for Miami. Mm-hmm. If they can slow them down, and Denver doesn't shoot the ball real well, they'll be in game one. But I just think in the second half they're going to run out of gas, and their best opportunity in Denver is going to be game two because they stay out there and they get more acclimated to the uh, elevation, to the altitude. And um, so I look – if Miami's going to steal one in Denver and have any chance to win the series, I think it's going to be in game two. And I think they said Tyler Hero may not be available to game three, possibly. I think they they definitely need him. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think he's going to have to show up and play big. Um, Kevin Love, I think you put him on – I think you just have to throw that All body. Hands at, on deck. Yeah, yeah no everybody got to – Everybody's got to play well. Yeah, playoff Jimmy. Yeah, he got to show up now. Oh, but, yeah. But Bam, Bam – now, Bam played terrible against Boston. Offensively, he, 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 was, he was terrible. He was bad. He can't he can't average twelve and ten or twelve or whatever and think they're gonna beat Boston. Bam's gonna have to show up. Well, I don't, I don't care how many averages. It just needs to be efficient. 
Mm-hmm. Could be a game where Jimmy's getting big, you know, big production offensively, and and you get some other you Caleb know, Martin games. Yeah, Caleb Martin's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, he got four out of the nine MVP votes, and if I was I think the other one, I do too. I think he should. And, and got look, it. and and you can you can easily make the case that a lot of what he did came off of the concentration on Jimmy defensively mm-hmm. by Boston. And there is some truth to that. Right. But Caleb Martin had opportunities to score the ball and make plays, and 87% of the time he did. he did. He had very little down to his game. He made big shots and big plays and played very well defensively as well. I haven't watched the tape, but he, he, uh, but he when played it was, spectacular. When he it was, introduced himself to the He world. did. When it was he time, because really he was the guy that kind of – even though I know Jimmy had what twenty eight points or whatever yeah, he had the other night, twenty six or twenty seven. But Caleb just seven. made the plays that kept Absolutely. them afloat the whole Absolutely. entire game. Absolutely. So I was like, for me, big shots. I would I would have gave it to him. So that's what I'm saying. Even though Miami has a lot of guards and role players, I don't really count them out of it. I'm still going Denver just because I think Denver has an all around better team. But with Eric Spolster on the on the sideline, Miami. De- I definitely believe one hundred percent. Miami believes they're gonna win win the oh, series. Yeah. No question. Um, and if you can beat those teams in the East, I give you a chance. No, that's so I, I, that's why I say I'll give. I would if just looking at it on paper, you'll say Denver in five games. But I think Miami's tough enough to get at least two games yep. off of them. I think so. Two more things I want to do right. before we uh, get out of here. Okay. Um, we, when we talk about all time great players, um, you know. This is going to help Yoke's legacy, um, but but of course I don't think people are still going to mention him as like an all-time like top ten, top five player. But speaking of that, like I want I just want to know Yoke because you you've watched a lot of basketball um, over the years. You know, you've seen a lot of the great the greatest play. Give me your top five players of all time because yeah, players of all time. Yeah, I'll just go by position. Okay, okay, and there's some that are really close, so. When I name the position and the player, I might say the other guy that that almost chose. Okay, mm-hmm. so my one guard, and it really, you know, you mentioned this a little while ago. The game is played differently. It's played from outside in instead of inside out. You know, so let's go position by position. I think I think the lead guard uh, is almost got to be Magic Johnson, right? But there's also a case where if you're playing outside in basketball. You, you go with Steph or somebody like that. But here's a surprise. Number one, I love me some Marcus Smart. We did this on our show, and we built an all-time team. We talk about all-time. Yeah, I know it. Great. I know it. But here's what I tell you. <laughs> if you come with Magic Johnson at your one or Isaiah Thomas or you name some other great lead no guards, way. John Stockton or whomever, whoever you want to put it one, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, any of these all-time great lead guards, I just tell you, if I've got Marcus Smart and you're playing me, get a good night's so sleep. You, so get a good on. freaking you, So you're sleep. building a – I'm talking about all-time, the greatest players care. ever. I don't care. Not, not just I a great care. team. <laughs> I don't care. I love me some Marcus Smart. I love me some Marcus no Smart. Okay, that's all right. I okay, go ahead. This your, it's your list. Go ahead. He's, he's way better offensively than people think, and <laughs> and he's as good a, a good a defender anywhere on the court has ever okay. played the basketball. And he's and he might be one A when it comes to the most fierce competitor of all time. Mike being first, and Marcus Smart one A. Okay. I'm crazy about some Marcus Smart. Okay, but I love Drew Holiday too. So I gave you like four or five there. Right. 
right. So anyway, all right. Number two, got to go with Mike. But Kobe's right there. Right he always there. gets yeah. shorted. On, Every he, time. He should always be on the short list for the GOAT. and Because Kobe, he put in the time. I don't he understand put in the grind. It. I don't understand everything. it. Well, the only thing I've got against Kobe, I call him green light. Because he shot a little bit too much, mm-hmm. especially late in his career. But to me, it didn't really hurt his legacy. Because he deserves great. every accolade and way more than he ever got. So I go Mike and Kobe right there. All right? Three. My three is I can't give you just one, man. How can you how can you not say LeBron? I gotta go call him a three. Or but then again, if Larry Bird wouldn't have had a bad back, you gotta you gotta consider him. Larry Larry But I also put Charles Barkley right there. Barkley was unbelievable. But but most consider Barkley a four. Yeah, whatever. You know. But okay, so let me let me ask you this about, you know, LeBron and Larry Bird, just both of them healthy, full strength. Who do you take then? Just if both of them are healthy, because you seen you seen Larry Bird. On I what else I can put around them? I, I wouldn't turn either one. Just all time, both a key to the gym. But just all time great, like you just take, say the all time greatest player. Do you I, take Bird over I, LeBron or? You seen you seen both play. I, I haven't. I haven't seen LeBron live, and I, I've only seen Bird in the exhibition live. Mm-hmm. But I've seen both of them on TV tons. Right. Just, they're just both of them are just so freaking great. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I can't, man. You can't pin me on that one. Okay. You can't pin me on <laughs> that. Right. Whoever gets the best night's sleep. All right. All right. In, in their prime. All right. The four. Most people say Timmy Duncan, and that is a great pick, right? But I promise you, and I've said this many times, even on live radio on my show and others, I promise you when he and Garnett faced up on each other, even though Duncan was great, Garnett got the better of him in playoffs or whatever. I don't know about every single game. So, And I call Garnett Crib because he's from right down the road. He's from Malden originally. So I'm going to go with Crib at my four. I wish he'd clean up his mouth. I really do. And I hope oh, he sees his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could if, if the Messiah got up yeah. in him, he would. All right? All right? There Number you five. Go. No, and my five, you know, there's a lot of great ones. But first and foremost, you can have anybody else you want. Give me that big African. Akeem Olajuwon. Akeem. Akeem. Uh, you know, look, Jabbar, a lot of people say he's the greatest basketball player ever, and that's a, that's a great pick. Shaq called himself MDE, the most dominant ever. He's got a great point. He was. For, especially for his era. And, and how can you not mention Wilt? Because he's, it, it, you know, right. a lot of people who are over, you know, probably in the grave now, they tell you it ain't even close mm-hmm. that Wilt. And you look at the numbers, it wasn't even close. There's so many things that you have to factor in. He didn't do it as – he did it against some bigger centers than we give him credit for. There weren't as many people or teams in the league. Wilt was unbelievable. I never – I only saw him briefly on TV. I can't even remember seeing the whole game. But as a kid, you know, and he was unbelievable. Some of his feats were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an athletic freak at seven feet. But I got to believe Elijah Wan in his prime, I don't want nobody else. Akeem. So, so this is – when I talk about all-time great, it's hard for me to say because I didn't get a chance to watch all of these guys play. Um, so when I do my all-time list, I, I just go by the players. I like to go by the players that I've, like, watched play basketball. Sure, sure. Because um, I, I was born in 92. So yep. when Jordan retired, it was, what, 98? So, so I was, like, 98. six years old, 98, yep. 99, whatever. 
So I was like six, seven years old. So I didn't get a chance to like really like watch and right, analyze right, and see right, him right, play right, like this. Right. So when I do mine, I just go by the greatest players that I've just had a chance to like watch play. So number one for me, I say Kobe. It was my the, the best player that I've ever seen play okay. basketball. Okay. Then I go number two, I go LeBron. Three goes back and forth for me. I say Steph or Tim Duncan okay. at three. Okay. I lean more towards Steph and then Tim, but it goes either way. Okay. Um, you can put the other the other guy fourth. You can do Steph fourth or Tim Duncan fourth. Um, and then five, like you you made me think about it. Uh, when you talk about Shaq, I would either put at four or at five. I would either go Shaq or Dwayne Wade. One of those two. Okay. That would be my by my top too, five. Yeah, D, I D Wade. Him yeah, Wade was yeah, Wade had a dog Wade. in him, man. Yeah. So, but Shaq was just. It's hard to say because Shaq was just dominant. That that Lakers stretch that he had, like you couldn't, nobody could do anything yeah. with him. Yeah, no doubt. But at five, I would say one of those guys. Um, three, four. I, I probably gave you about what six names, five, six names right there with yep. Tim Duncan and yep. and Steph at three. I I probably say, man, that's hard. It is with it's Steph and, and Duncan. I I think I would probably go Steph number three just because of the way he just changed the game. Um, and it's to me, he's it's something. Yeah, he, he's Steph guy yeah. too, man. So I'll, I'll probably go Steph three. I'll go Tim Duncan four, even though they can go either way. Yep. And then at five, either Shaq or Dwayne Wade probably go. I'll probably give it to Shaq just because of how dominant he yeah, was, was in that stretch. Can't um, go wrong. MVP, there. four four yep. titles. So I'll probably go Shaq with at five. But that'll be like my the five greatest, and then Wade right there at five five D-Wade. eight. Yeah, D-Wade, right there. D-Wade. Yeah. Give me give me one uh off season prediction, you know, as far as like trades and the off season or free agency. Like give me one prediction you will have for like what's gonna happen in the off season. Victor Wambayana to Charlotte for their entire team, half the city and all the raceway. How about that? And they still won't <laughs> take them. No, then me and you go up, start at the one and the two. Sign me up. With Victor, I do. <laughs> and then we grab two longs and we roll. That's it. I, I wish Charlotte had that number one pick. That was so close. I mean, yeah, it was so close. close. But I, like I said, I always felt just like the Spurs were just going to definitely get that number one pick. I'll give you this real quick, though. Okay. My offseason prediction. Yep. Damian Lillard. Goes to the Celtics. The Suns. To Phoenix the Suns. I think. Replacing. Chris Paul, I think you move DeAndre Aiden, Chris Paul for Dame and Nurkic. They might want more than that. I don't know. I know they gave their picks to uh, Brooklyn for KD. Yep. Maybe you try to get some kind of picks or you throw in campaign or something else. But I think Damian Lillard goes on the move um, this offseason. If I had to predict that, I'd say Damian Lillard goes to Phoenix. Um, even though they, don't, they might not want to trade him in the West, I think just because Dane's been so loyal, they want to give him an opportunity to win. I think if he goes there, they got like a two-year window where they have a real chance to win the championship. I like that. I like that. So you move Nurkic and Dane for for CP3 and DeAndre Ayton. And CP3 is one of those guys who can help you develop some of those younger guys. Portland has the number three pick in the draft. Maybe you, you trade that and bring somebody else in or draft somebody he can work with. Maybe Brandon Miller from Alabama. Yeah, I did like yeah. him. Mm-hmm. But I think Damian Lillard, just my prediction, I don't know. If he if he is on the move, I'm going to say Damian Lillard to uh, – Damian Lillard goes to, to Phoenix Suns um, and he pairs up with, with, uh, 
with KD and Book. But yep. that's, I'm going to counter that. Okay. Dame to the Lakers. How about that? Dame to the Lakers. Wouldn't that be nice? You got to give up some They're gonna stuff. They're going to have to give up oh, some yeah. stuff. Yeah. They're going to give up some stuff. But that, that could, that's possible, too. Yeah. We'll see. We'll and see. The, you know what? It's always interesting. Maybe maybe I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe you trade CP3 out there to, to Portland. They buy him out, and then some kind of way he lands in, like we were talking about Boston earlier, maybe he lands in Boston and on a minimum deal or something for another chance to win because I don't think he would want to stay in Portland because he won't win there. But maybe you buy him out, he lands in Boston with, with uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum. That's something else. I'm just throwing it out there. I love CP3, and I'm not being disrespectful. He just stays hurt, though. Well, the thing about it is he needs to be up there with Barkley and them doing that show. He needs to retire. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's enough. a lot. It's a, There's I no think shame he, in not having won a championship. He tried. He just couldn't stay away I think he still has like two bug. years left on his deal. It's going to be hard yeah. to walk away from that type yeah. of money, though. Yeah. So Maybe so. So but maybe. We don't know. This is just something we're just throwing man. out there. He's in the twilight. Yep. Yep. So, KB, before we get out of here, man, yep. I want to thank you for your time. Absolutely. My um, pleasure. I love asking everybody at the end, though, on the Cross Line podcast. You know, when I travel, we love asking entrepreneurs like um, and people from all different backgrounds, like, what does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment. Mm-hmm. It means I follow the will of God from my life. How about that? Perfect. I'll end it like that. Absolutely. KB, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Can you tell everybody how to find you again and find your radio show? Yep. Uh, I don't do any social media. I'm the, I'm the you got to get old on. Old relic. I'm the old relic. They've tried for years. But anyway, if, you, uh, if you're outside the Spartanburg area, go to SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. I have a show on Monday night that I host with a young gentleman who's 25 years old named Josh. Josh Tate. We okay. call him Batman on the show, and he's doing a great job. We're on every Monday night at six o'clock. Most nights we have most Monday nights we have a two-hour show. Sometimes it gets cut short to one hour. I also appear on that same station on Friday mornings from eight till nine on Bump and Run with Tyler Sugar. It's basically how you can catch me. All right, KB, thank you again for Absolutely. your time. You know, you're more than welcome to come back again. We'll definitely thank talk some more sir. hoops and we talk some more sport. So will. hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.